Welcome back to our first uh, actual lesson on the Pilgrim's Progress. You saw our introduction where we kind of set the table and talked about the background of this book. And now we're going to get into the first uh, leg of Christian's journey. We're going to talk about um, both the challenges he faces and the uh, help he gets along the way, right? Right. Right. Love this section. It sets the tone well, and uh, it's just powerful. Lots of, lots of good food for thought in this section. Right. So if you're following along and uh, reading with us, then what we're going to do each week is just kind of walk through the chapter, walk through the section that we're on, and, and look at how the characters might interact with some scriptures we can think of or just something that we experience in our Christian life. There's this uh, quote that starts uh, the book from Rosalie de Rosette. And it says, The struggle to live out one's life in a world unwelcoming to the Christian faith is becoming more and more of a reality. We need the help of a Christian who has been there before us, a Christian who never avoided theology, who loved and knew the Word of God, who presented suffering in all its rawness and joy in all its exuberance, who in the midst of failure knew who he was and who he belonged to. This book, Bunyan said, will make a traveler of thee, and there is wonder in this journey. That's a great way to kind of start the Pilgrim's Progress. And so, Wade, um, let's let's dive in, all right? Well, I love, you know, that quote. I love the theme of being an exile, traveling. This world's not our home. We're traveling through. I'm just, my time with God, just read First Peter, which calls us elect exiles. Yeah. We belong to him, um, but we don't belong to the world. Right. And, uh, and this book helps us remember that we are pilgrims on a journey. Well, let's start uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Now, it, it starts in a very uh, interesting kind of way. Um, it's almost like he's having a dream about himself in this other character, right? And so when we read the character Christian, we're reading John Bunyan's inner kind of struggle and inner dialogue with the Christian faith, but it's allegorized. What does allegory mean for our readers? He's using uh, pictures and symbols and really a, a um, crafted story to teach spiritual truths. And I do think part of it is autobiographical. I think what you, some of the struggles you see Christian dealing with or some of the struggles that John Bunyan dealt with uh, in his journey. And so he's uh, using this, the imagery in this story um, to really reinforce some spiritual truths. Right, and a lot of people who have studied this book um, as a as a journey of faith, have said that Pilgrim's Progress is like a psychological roadmap for a Christian. Mm -hmm. The struggles that you'll get to in the Christian life, or the difficulties you have, and even the help that'll come your way, mm -hmm. oftentimes are allegorized and mapped out in this book mm -hmm. um, as if he's telling a story. But you know, this really happened to him at one point. Right. Well, let's, let's start it, and it starts in a very peculiar fashion. He says, As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where was a den, and this is a prison. He's, mm -hmm. he's in prison. Right. And laid me down in that place to sleep, and as I slept, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed, and behold, I saw a man clothed with rags standing in a certain place, with his face from his own house, a book in his hand, and a great burden upon his back. I looked and saw him open the book and read therein. 
And as he read, he wept and trembled, and not being able longer to contain, he break out with a lamentable cry, saying, and then Pilgrim's first line in the book echoed kind of again and again, what shall I do? And then scripture quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, set the scene for us here. Christ- so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, so the Pilgrim, who we'll find out in a minute whose name is Christian, he, uh, we find him uh, uh, with a description of his spiritual state. So he has a burden on his back. Um, you'll find the burden represents uh, the burden represents the, the sin, the guilt, the shame that he's living under. And the reason he's feeling the burden is because of the book in his hand. And right. the book shows up many times, but, but in some way, shape, or form, he had a Bible. He got the Bible. And as he read the Bible... Uh, as a person uh, who was not a, a, a follower of Jesus, as he read the Bible, he felt more and more of his sin, the weight of his sin, and he gets really to a place of desperation, which just kind of parenthetically is one of the reasons the Bible is so important. You know, we, we talk about in missions, uh, people um, publishing uh, the Bible in the heart language of a people group we're trying to reach. You know, I read stories years ago about people like Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles into communist, uh, the communist Soviet Union in different places. And the reason we want the Word of God to, to, to permeate uh, uh, you know, our, a culture of people is because when you read it, it shows you your spiritual condition apart from right. Christ, and, and it brings that conviction of sin. So. Well, you mentioned conviction, and so uh, luckily our uh, version of Pilgrim's Progress puts scriptural quotations by the words of Pilgrim, later Christian, and others. Um, when the quote you made last week by Spurgeon about Bunyan, that his speech is bibline, mm-hmm. or his thoughts are bibline, mm-hmm. uh, there are some versions that don't have all the references, but that what shall I do, of course, is cut from Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost when Peter's preaching mm-hmm. and the men of Israel hear that they have crucified the Lord of glory and the guilt of that sin weighs on them heavily. They cry out, what shall I do? And mm-hmm. so that specific line is supposed to refer back to that moment of conviction where the Holy Spirit puts on you the sin of your condition mm-hmm. and you're undone, really. You're this book starts at that moment where you realize you have nothing to save yourself with, right? Yep. It, nothing. Yeah. Later on in the book, he has a, a conversation with worldly wise man, and we'll talk some more about the names that, that um, uh, Bunyan gives, the different right. characters. But he's telling worldly wise man he has this burden. And worldly wise man says, How camest thou by thy burden at first? And Christian said, by reading this book in my hand. Right. And I wrote in my margin there, the law reveals our sin. Mm-hmm. The purpose of God's law is to show us that we fall short of His glory and we need a Savior. And I think that's what um, Bunny is trying to picture in Christian's burden with, with, the, bo- with the book in right. his hand. Yeah. And the Puritans were big on that. John mm-hmm. Bunyan was a Puritan uh, starting in the 16th century England, 17th century. And they were big on preach the law, preach the judgment of God, and then that's the bad news. And then right after that, preach the good news, the gospel in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sin. And they were they were big about balancing that out. From mm-hmm. conviction uh, comes life. Right. If you let the Word of God you know, cut you, mm-hmm. it will quicken you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about the first scene here. And um, we're, we're going to kind of just walk through this first section and talk about the hindrances and the helps that he gets along the way. 
And so during this first section, you see Pilgrim really uh, contemplating what he should do. And he's at wit's end. He's, he's out walking in a field, reading the book. It says as page 15, um, and as he read, he burst out as he had done before crying, what must I do to be saved? Hmm. And then lo and behold, the first help that comes his way, who is it? Evangelist. Evangelist. Yes. So not really much of a, uh, of a difficulty figuring out what evangelist's job is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of these characters are kind of a play on words, but some of them are really straightforward. Mm. And uh, so evangelist comes out, and he's the first help pilgrims, Pilgrim gets. Now, what does he do? Evangelist recognizes he has a burden, and he is interesting. He asks Christian some, some questions about his burden. And, uh, you know, finally comes to the place where he says, well, do you want to do something about it? <laughs> you know, this yeah. burden. And uh, Christian does. Um, and so Evangelist says, this is on page 16 of the version we're reading, uh, pointing, I like that, pointing with his, his finger uh, over very wide field, do you see yonder wicket gate? Uh, he lets him know that if he'll go to the wicket gate, then he can be relieved of his right. um, burden and find help with his burden. And, uh, you know, this is a, a longer conversation, but, I, you know, I believe the wicket gate, uh, just to kind of jump forward a little bit, the wicked gate, wicket gate uh, represents Jesus, mm-hmm. who said in um, John uh, 14, I am the, I'm uh, John the 10, I'm the gate. Um, what is a wicket gate? A wicket, now, that's interesting. A wicket gate's a smaller gate. It's a narrow gate. And uh, he uses that to tie it into Matthew 7 that says the, the way of salvation is narrow. Right. Uh, the, the road that leads to destruction is broad. The road that leads to life, salvation, is narrow. And so the wicked gate is on purpose meant to um, speak of the narrowness of salvation, the narrowness of the way of those that, that, that follow Jesus. So, he, so ba- basically the evangelist says he recognizes you have a burden, you're under your, your sin, your guilt, your shame. Look over there. Go to the wicket gate. That's where you'll find help with your burden. Right. And so uh, as Pilgrim, as he's called at the time, hears this, um, he goes to, uh, to leave. And the, and the first thing that happens is at the bottom of page 16, he'd begun to, he began to run. Now he had not run far from his own door when his wife and children, perceiving it, began to cry after him to return. And then this part is it's both funny, but also it pulls your heartstrings a bit that it says the man put his fingers in his ears and ran on crying life, life, eternal life. So he looked not behind him, another uh, reference back to Lot's wife, but fled toward the middle of the plain. Yes, interesting. So evangelist uh, points the way to the wicked gate, which by the way is all of our responsibility and privilege. We get to, when people, we find, come across people that are under the, the, the burden of sin and guilt and shame, we get to point them to Jesus who will help right. them with that burden through forgiveness and transformation in life. But um, evangelist points him that way and, and until he gets to the wicked gate, we see different people trying to deter him starting with his family. So there might have been a bit of autobiography here. Right. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, um, you know, Bunyan was a, this is getting too deep into the history, he was a nonconformist. And so... And he was for, preaching without a license, and so the state church in England, the, the king had made a law, 
you had to have a license to preach, and he didn't have one, but mm-hmm. he felt God, which is why he was in jail to preach, mm-hmm. right? Right. And because he preached unlawfully, he got put in jail. Right. And so he was following Jesus, pursuing a personal relationship with Jesus outside of the the state church. And uh, there was probably some um, there's probably some family and friends that. Um, that put pressure on him not to not well, to do that. I heard a story, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it's his first or second imprisonment because mm-hmm. he was in jail quite a bit. And uh, his his wife came to the prison with his sick daughter, and the magistrate said, "Don't you want to just stop preaching? And yeah. I'll let you go if you stop preaching. I'll let you go." And when his wife and daughter left. Uh, John Bunyan says it felt like the flesh was being pulled from my bones to watch them to walk away. Mm. And then how he would preach, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, there was a window uh, out his cell pretty high up, and mm. that window had a view to a wall. Mm-hmm. But past the wall, he could see a little bit of sunlight, mm. and he would preach at that window. And at first he did it for a while, um, not knowing what was happening, but then people told him, when you preach out that window... Uh, a crowd gathers to listen to you preach the gospel. Right. And so he did, you know, he never saw who is preaching to, but he kept preaching. And the longer he preached, the longer they kept him in jail. Right. And, and I think there might've been a bit of autobiography in his family, discouraging him from going to the wicked gate. Um, I also think, you know, Bunny was a pastor. He had a mm-hmm. pastor's heart. And I also think he's trying to encourage people he's writing to that sometimes when you choose to follow Jesus, those that are closest to you are going to discourage right. it. They're going to be the first. Yeah, it's, I mean, like I said, yeah. it's, a, it's a really emotional scene. They're like, don't go. That's, you know, and, yep. and he goes and uh, it's it's powerful. Now there is a, spoiler alert, there is a second part to, to you, Pilgrim's Progress. Well, if, you're, if you'll say it, then, you know. Yeah, there's a second part of Pilgrim's Progress, which we're not going to cover in this podcast, but it is about his wife, yep. what happens next down, down the road. Because down. of his example, his, his family also is eventually saved. Right, yeah. Well, let, let's continue. Mm-hmm. Now, um, he, these neighbors that live around him go after him, two of them, yeah. to, it says, love here, their names. resolve to fetch him back by force. And the name of one was obstinate, and the name of the other, pliable. Right. So talk about obstinate and pliable to me. Yeah, I mean, obstinate is basically like, what are you doing? Where do you think you're going? And he says, I'm going to the wicked gate. And, um, you know, the, the, the neighbor basically says, I'm, I'm trying to persuade you to go back um, with me. Um, and obstinate says, uh, basically on page uh, 18, come then neighbor Plava, let us turn again and go home without him. There's company of these crazy headed coxcombs that when they take a fancy by the end are wiser in their own eyes and seven men that can render a reason. So he's basically saying he's crazy, so yeah. go back with me, pliable. So obstinate wants, wants nothing to do with the wicked gate. Wants yeah, nothing he, to he do. thinks Christian is stupid. Right, he goes back. Pliable, it's like, well, I might want to hear some more. Yeah. So pliable continues his um, journey, and Christian says to pliable, come with me, neighbor of pliable. There are such things to be had which I spoke of, and many more glories besides. If you believe not me, read here in this book. He has this Bible. Yeah. And for the truth of uh, what is expressed therein, behold, all is confirmed by the blood of him that made it. You know, it's interesting, and we're going to talk about what happens to Pliable in a minute. But if you look at the reason that Christian goes to the wicked gate, it's because of this inner conviction from his burden. But Pliable 
It's, he, he even tells obstinate, don't revile Christian. If what the good Christian says is true, the things he looks after are better than ours, like pliable ascent on this journey because he wants something better than he has. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we're going to see how that plays out. But there's a, there's a conversation between um, pliable and Christian that is really, really powerful where pliable is seeking more information about what the book says. So... Um, at the bottom of uh, page nineteen. Let's do this. Let's 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 act it out. All right. All right. So you're pliable. You read pliable. No, I want to be Christian. You okay? No, I'll be, no, pli- no, I'll be, I'll be Christian. Okay. You, you be pliable. On page nineteen, I'll be Christian, and uh, we'll read we'll read through the to the end of this page right, right here. Where right, are we so, to start? So the, the bottom of page. Come neighbor. Nineteen. Uh, do you think? Okay. So and do you think that the words of your book are certainly true? Yes, verily, for it was made by him that cannot lie. Well said. What things are they? I need more expression. Okay. Being pliable. <clears throat> well said. What things okay. are they? All right. There's an endless kingdom to be inhabited and everlasting life to be given to us that we may... <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Hold on. Sorry. 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 Edit that out. Sorry. Edit that out. All right. I'll start it with there is an endless kingdom. Yeah. Start over. I won't say that. I won't try to be funny again. Do you think the words of your book are... Start with Pliable again. Okay. And do you think that the words of your book are certainly true? Yes, verily, for it was... <laughs> <laughs> it was going so good. It was going... Great job. It was going so good. <laughs> All right, snap. Come on. I'm, I'm good. You look I'm like good. a tomato. I'm good. I'm good. Snap out I'm of I'm good. That was it's, funny. I'm getting hot. Hold on. Oh, gosh, this is called joy. It's okay. <laughs> and do you think that the words of your brook are certainly true? Let me skip this part. <laughs> I like the part where he says, well said. What things are they? Well said. And what is this? Maybe so, I should not act this out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, we should. Bad idea. Bad idea. And do you think that the words of your book are certainly true? <laughs> <laughs> Episode one is complete. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Well, as, as we kind of see as they move on, Pliable and Christian have this conversation about all the benefits on page 19, 20, and 21 of being a Christian. And uh, it ends with Pliable saying, uh, the hearing of this is enough to ravish one's heart, but are these things to be enjoyed? How shall we get to be sharers thereof? And I love so, Christian's answer. You know, he says, uh, "The Lord, the governor of the country, hath recorded that in this book, the substance of which is, if we be truly willing to have it, He will bestow it upon us freely." So he's basically telling Pliable, all these wonderful gifts of salvation, heaven, life, uh, forgiveness—they are free if you just receive right. them. And so Pliable's response is, "Well, let's let's go faster." Right. Like, yeah. Sounds good to me. The first thing they hit is the slew of despond. Yep. Now, a slough is like a swamp or a bog. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cut from a river that just kind of uh, becomes a big stinking mire. Mm-hmm. And they come to this, and it says, Now I saw in my dream that just as they had ended this talk, they drew nigh to a very miry slough that was in the midst of the plain, and they, be- and they being heedless, did both fall suddenly into the bog. The name of the slough was Despond. Despond is a fancy way of saying depression or, or darkness or doldrums. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the slew of despond? Well, 
they're stuck in this bog. Um, obstinate struggles to get out, and when he finally gets out, he's like, "This is too hard. I'm going back home." You mean pliable? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, pliable. Yeah. Obstinate already gone back home. Pliable gets out, and he goes back home. Um, Christian struggles to get out. And he gets some help, and the helper that gets him out of whose the mire slip, help. Whose, whose name is Help, <laughs> describes it to him. Um, he says, This miry slough is such a place as cannot be mended. It is descent whether, whether the scum and filth that attends conviction for sin doth continually run, and therefore it is called the slough of despond. For still as the sinner is awakened about his lost condition, there arise in his soul many fears and doubts and discouraging apprehensions, which all of them get together and settle in this place. This is the reason of the, the badness of this ground. So I was reading this. I thought about, I was thinking about ministry, and I was thinking about people who hear the gospel, they hear about Jesus, and they think, well, that's good news, and I want that in my life. But then their heart begins to be filled up with doubts and discouragements. Right. Like, who do, who, do you, you know, who do I think I am going to church? Who do I think I am going forward in a service when the pastor asked me to, you know, to come for right. you know, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'll never be free of this guilt, this shame, this, you know, God, does God love me? That kind of, that kind yeah. of attitude. I think we're talking about in the slew of despond. Well, the Puritans are, we, we call them doctors of the soul. They mm-hmm. had a doctrine called the doctrine of the quickening or the awakening mm-hmm. where they actually kind of would map it out. And they'd say that usually what happens is a sinner, when they hear the gospel, they get convicted of their sins and that if they're not careful, they will sink into this depression because they're quickened. Mm-hmm. They're awakened to their necessity for, for Christ, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to be assured of salvation yet. They're not sure that they have peace with God. Mm-hmm. And there was this danger that the first stage of the Christian life was the hardest because you would sink into this despair and not be able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's perfectly described by the slew of despond mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, it's it's interesting that when when uh pliable goes into the bog and he's weighed down and he finally gets out he goes home mm-hmm. it's like he just cuts and runs he just cuts and runs and uh it you know the 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 overwhelming sense of his of his sin and shame kept him away from well here's here's come to the cure this is so great what he is this the happiness you have told me about all this while of if we have such ill speed at our first setting out what can we expect between this journey and our journey's end and he just runs he's like this isn't the stuff you told me about yeah and this leads so i I think what he's doing here is in this first chapter and i know we've got to move on to the wicked gate but i think that I think that Bunyan is showing us different responses to the gospel, mm-hmm. to the seed of the gospel. And I, as I was reading this, it reminded me of the um, parable of the sowers. Right. And in Matthew chapter 13, he talks about the, the sower uh, throws seed, which is the gospel, uh, and the seed lands on different types of soils, which, which um, explain or describe different heart conditions. And only one bears fruit. Right. And uh, so let me just read it real quick. And I'm going to to tie back into uh, this first chapter of Pilgrim's Progress. Hear then the parable of the sower, Jesus says. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Uh, That this is what was sown along the path. I would say that's his family, his wife and kids. They heard it, didn't understand it, not interested. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. That's pliable. That's pliable. Yeah. Yeah, he has no root in himself, but in, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the world, immediately he falls away. Right. That's pliable. The third one is, 
As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. I believe that's obstinate. Yeah. Or it might be another character who runs into a minute, worldly wise man. Right. But the fourth the fourth soil is, as for what was sown on good soil, this is one who hears the word, understands it, he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, another thirty. That's Christian who will go to the wicked gate and let the Lord help him with his burden. So I just thought it was an interesting little parallel that the the gospel, the news that there's help at the wicked gate, it falls on different hearts and, and, and there are different responses. Well, he meets worldly wise man. Worldly wise man, just to kind of give a brief overview, uh, basically tells him this is a very dangerous place and there's a city you can go to that's much better and safer than trying to get to the wicked gate. and Another way to deal with your burden. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the village's name was Morality, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he gives some some descriptions here, like it's up a, on a very high cliff, and the road to get to it is really dangerous, like I imagine mm-hmm. a bunch of hairpin turns. He's trying to find Mr. Legality's house. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. So he, he ends up uh, trying to go there, and... Uh, whenever he gets to the edge of the hill, Mr. Worldly Wiseman just basically says, you have to get to Mr. Legality's house. Good luck. And so he ends up going there on page 29, and it says that um, halfway down the page, now he began to be sorry that he had taken Mr. Worldly Wiseman's counsel. And with that, he saw Evangelist, the guy from the beginning, coming to meet him at the sight also of whom he began to blush for shame. He realizes now He's gone out of the way that evangelist told him. Mm-hmm. So what does evangelist do when he comes up? Well, I think the the morality, the legality's house is um, is the worldly wise man saying, "Hey, Christian, if you want to deal with your sin and your burden and your guilt and your shame, you need to go. You need to do better. You need to yeah. keep the law. You need to obey God better." And and he says, as he got closer to the house, it seemed as if it was about to fall over on him mm-hmm. and crush him. And he said, "My burden actually got heavier." Right. So you know, and that's a really that's a really great picture of the law. People people believe that they can be saved by by achieving righteousness by right. doing the right stuff, and we'll never arrive because we always fall short. And if you're trying to earn your salvation through good works, you're going to feel the burden of that because you you you'll never right. do enough. And to it's, earn an, your salvation. it's an impossible path. It's an impossible, impossible yeah. Path. Because no matter how many good things you do, your sin still has to be paid for. Right. And uh, and no matter how good your good works are, they're always tainted by self. And and so, um, it, so yeah, he's 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 trying to figure out if there's another way to deal with this burden. And I love how evangelist shows back up. Yeah. And it's a really neat picture of when we're sharing the gospel with somebody, they may not get it the first time. They may need us to to come back around and point them in the right direction and encourage them. And an evangelist shows back up and says, Hey, I told you it's over there. It's free. It's the wicked gate. That's where help is and uh, encourages him. Yeah. And evangelist actually um, begins to ask him where he's going and why he's going there. And so when he, at the bottom of page 30, um, Christian kind of tells him back that this Mr. Worldly wise man, he bid me with speed, get rid of my burden. And I told him that it was ease that I sought and said, I, I am therefore going to yonder gate to receive further direction how I may get to the place of deliverance. So he said that he would show me a better way. In short, 
not so attended with difficulty as the way, sir, that you set me in. Mm -hmm. So there is a tendency in the Christian life for us to say, well, what's the easier path? Mm -hmm. And there are going to be people along the sides, whether it's family or friends, who when you start following Christ say, you know, that's good. I like helping people too. And they'll try to say, you know, and it's good to help people. We should all help people. But this Jesus stuff is just so exclusive. It's, it's so judgmental. You know, you're hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. You're, you're stopping yourself from enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Whatever words they it's use. It's going to cause hardship. It's going to cause, you know, yeah. the worldly wise man says you're going to deal with like lines and this, swords. and One of the reasons yeah. that Christians should always be under the sound of the gospel. That's why we meet weekly with mm-hmm. the church to hear the gospel weekly. Uh, every time you hear it, it's like evangelists standing up and telling you, hey, everything you went through this week, yeah. you got to watch out. What, right. Where are you now? Are you on the path you're supposed to be? Right. So evangelist puts him back on the path. And uh, at the bottom of page 31, then did Christian again a little revive and stood up trembling as at first before evangelist. And, and he keeps going on and he says, now there are three things in this man's counsel thou must utterly abhor. His turning thee out of the way, his laboring to render the cross odious to thee or, mm-hmm. or, or scorn. You can be saved without the cross is right. what worldly or Mr. Legality was, would, would have told him. And his setting thy feet in that way that leadeth unto the administration of death. And so he goes through kind of these three ways and and basically talks Christian out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, page 33, uh, it talks about Mr. Legality. You want to say anything about Mr. Legality? He was, his, his method of dealing with your burden was totally ineffective. Uh, in fact, it says, um, this legality, therefore, is not able to set you free from your burden. No man right. was as yet ever rid of the burden by him, so obeying the law doesn't save you um, because you can't keep it perfectly. It just increases your burden, and uh, if you don't have a savior from your sin for falling short of the law, then you'll forever be under that burden. Right. And he even quotes uh, on page thirty-four: "Curses everyone, uh, um, uh, as many are as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is right. written, Curses everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them.'" Galatians three ten. In other words, if you're going to try to be saved by keeping the law, you better do it perfectly because if you don't, you're under the curse of diso- of disobedience to God. Right. So evangelist gets Christian going back on the way mm. to the wicked gate, and so uh, in page thirty five, when he goes there. It says, Christian enters in at the gate. Now over the gate there was written, Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. He knocked, therefore, more than once or twice, saying, May I now enter here? Will he within open to sorry me, though I have been an undeserving rebel? Then shall I not fail to sing his lasting praise on high. At last there came a grave person to the gate named Goodwill, who asked who was there and whence he came and what he would have. So let's talk about Goodwill now for a minute. Yeah, so he's at the gate. He wants to come through the gate, and this character named Goodwill comes um, to the gate. And uh, Christian basically says, uh, I am informed that by this gate is the way thither. Know if you are willing to let me in. Uh, A way to be delivered from the wrath to come is through this gate. Goodwill says, I am willing with all my heart. With that, he opened the gate. And I love this part. So when Christian was stepping in, the other gave him a pull. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's stepping through the gate. Goodwill is pulling him through right. the gate. And, and uh, Christian said, what, why, why'd you do that? What does this mean? 
And Goodwill says, uh, is interesting, that a little distance from this gate there's erected a strong castle which Beelzebub is the captain. From thence both he and they that are with him shoot arrows at those that come up to this gate. If happily they may die before they can enter in. So the picture there is, even as you are right at the door of salvation, you're right at the moment of giving your life to Jesus, the following him. Darts. The devil shooting darts. He's trying to stop you from being saved. Right. And so Goodwill, this character, pulls him through. So you see, there's you see, you know, not going down this theological road, but you see man's responsibility. Right. He steps to the gate. You see God's work in drawing him, pulling him. You know, you see you see God's sovereignty in that. You see yep. both at work, God saving, the man choosing to be saved. And so um, it's, a, it's a cool picture. Now, goodwill, some believe, people that believe that's Jesus. Um, some people think that may be the Holy Spirit and right. his drawing work. Um, the gate represents Jesus. Goodwill represents the Holy Spirit. We don't know for sure, but 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 goodwill is there to, to help him get through the gate. Right. Yeah. So Goodwill talks to them a while, and um, at the end, on page 39, as they start to uh, part, then I saw in a dream that Christian asked him further if he could not help him off with his burden that was upon his back, for as yet they had not got rid thereof, nor could he by any means get it off without help. Goodwill says, As to thy burden, be content to bear it until thou dost comest to the place of deliverance, for there... It will fall from thy back of itself. And this is the end of this section, and, um, and it ends in a very intriguing way. So, so Christian listens to evangelist. He goes narrow gate. He goes through the narrow gate, which represents, I believe, salvation. Um, he goes through the narrow gate, but his bird's not gone yet. Mm-hmm. And there's going to happen something in the future where the burden is taken away right. at a really powerful scene, which we'll talk about in coming weeks. Um, and I think that is, I think what's happening here is there's salvation by grace alone through faith alone, um, choosing the way of Jesus, going through the gate, he pulls you through. Um, and then there's the understanding of the implications of the gospel, right. which we'll talk about in, in coming weeks. But, uh, but yeah, he goes through the gate and uh, begins his journey towards the, uh, the celestial city. Right. So it's, it's, the rest of the book is basically the story of his, uh, of Christian from conversion to heaven. Right. And we can be like Christians sometimes, can't we? We want the Lord to fix everything right now. I, I want to believe in you and I want you to fix everything. Mm-hmm. But that often doesn't happen, right? Or we can be, yeah, yeah, we can be saved, know Jesus, and still have a burden of guilt and shame. Why is, you know, why is that? Why we still have a burden of guilt right. and shame? Because we don't understand some things about the gospel, right. which Christian will come to understand throughout the book. But um, I, I think my major takeaway of, of, of this first chapter is, um, I'm grateful that he had a book in his hand mm-hmm. that helped him understand his spiritual condition. And I'm grateful he had an evangelist who keeps popping back up. In fact, he even says, um, he even says, after he goes through the gate, he's talking to to uh, Goodwill. Listen to what he says. Um, uh, he says, truly in page 38, I do not know what had become of me there had not evangelist happily met me again as I was musing in the midst of my dumps. But it was God's mercy that he came to me again, for else I uh, had never come hither. In other words, when I was right. trying to earn my salvation and keep the law. Evangelist showed back up and yep. pointed me in the right direction. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the Bible, grateful for people that point people to Jesus, and that's what we need to be about. And I think one of my takeaways from this is I look at the pitfalls mm-hmm. and I say, in our lives, we're always going to have a slew of despond. Mm-hmm. We're always going to have obstinate friends. We're going to have pliable friends. And we're going to have 
people like, uh, you know, Mr. Legality, mm-hmm. who kind of set a standard, you know, just do this and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, don't trust God for this. You fix it yourself. Mm-hmm. And all of those things are counterfeits to what the book tells us, right? Right. Well, I hope you uh, could follow along with us and enjoyed the first section of Pilgrim's Progress. Um, We're going to quit here for this week, and we'll pick right back up, page 39, on the next episode. Um, The Interpreter's House, which is awesome. If you've got a question or a comment or want something addressed before we start on the next next session, leave a comment uh, on the YouTube or uh, send us on the church page. an email on the church website and we'll get to your questions if we can next week. So if anything's not clear or you want us to talk about anything else, you can leave a comment and we'll get back to that. Um, Thanks for joining us and hope that uh, God blesses your week as you think back um, through all your trials, through all your triumphs, and you kind of see in your life uh, the life of Christian. All right, take care.